by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Today, we're starting a new series. The series is called The All-Important Why. W-H-Y, <laughs> the all-important why. And today's message is entitled, and this is on your sheet, on your bulletin, where it asks the questions, you know, that thing that has your all-important announcements on it as well. Today's message is entitled, The Importance of the Why. So today we're going to lay the foundation of what's going to become a series talking about why we do the things that we do and so forth. And today is going to be talking just why it's important to know why. The definition of why in the dictionary says, for what reason or purpose. Some people, why do people say, I slept like a baby when a baby gets up every two hours? Why? <laughs> there's, there's, there's some important questions that we need to answer. Why doesn't Tarzan have a beard? Why did the person who come up with the word list put an S in it? There's important questions that need answering, and, and those aren't them, but we're going to get to, I want you to say this, the all-important why. And I'm going to pull on you today to help you, to help me get through this message, okay? The first, uh, header I have here is why is our why important because if we misplace our why we can find ourselves fighting against God you say what do you mean well what about David when he took that census you remember he got in big trouble with God for taking a census and counting how many people was in the kingdom of Israel I didn't understand why he got in trouble for that. It didn't seem like a big deal to me, but then I, I began to research it, and it said that back in those days, you weren't allowed to number anything unless it belonged to you. And so when he took that census and he found that, he was essentially saying, Israel is mine, not yours, God. And that's why God got upset. You see, he got his why in the wrong place. David forgot why he was king. He was there to follow the Lord's instructions and not his own. I think also about the, the wonderful example of Judas, the one who betrayed the Lord. I think he got his why mixed up. You see, Judas was one of those, I believe, from studying it out and just from my own personal thoughts I believe that he thought that Jesus was coming back as the conquering Messiah who was going to establish the, a new government and rule with a rod you know of iron and Jesus is he is coming back on a white horse he is going to do all those things he's coming back with fire in his eyes he's going to be the conquering Messiah and there's no going to be no challenge to his rule and he will smash the enemies to bits he is but see Judas thought Jesus was going to do that his first time here. 
And, they, and he didn't see all the scriptures of, that Jesus was going to first come as a suffering Messiah, like in Isaiah 53. I don't see how they don't see that. So when, when uh, Jesus began to say things like, you know, the, they're going to get me and they're going to crucify me and on the third day I'm going to rise. He started talking about his death and uh, he wasn't conquering. He, you know, when he went into Jerusalem, he rode on a donkey and he just wasn't presenting, you know, like a conquering Messiah. Sure, where's the white horse? You're on a donkey, Jesus. And so Judas began to get, maybe this isn't the guy because he didn't know the why. He didn't know that Jesus must first come as the suffering servant. <clears throat> In fact, it's odd where, it's, where it says that G, uh, Judas decided to uh, betray Jesus. It's right after the woman comes and breaks the alabaster box over Jesus' feet. And it says that Judas was the keeper of the bag. You know, he was the accountant, so to speak. And it says in one place that he often took some for himself. So he, w- he wasn't a good guy in the first place. But uh, when he saw that, he said, all this talk of death. Let's read it. Matthew 26, 12. It says, Jesus says, she has poured out this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And it says, then Judas Iscariot. Then Jesus Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? It was like the last straw. He says, there you go talking about death again. She's preparing your body for death. How are you going to be a conquering Messiah if you're fixing to die? You're just worried about the woman and, and you're wasting all the money. We need these resources to take over. He had his wife in the wrong place, and he ended up fighting against God. And the Jews today, for the most part, unless they're Messianic Jews. They still do not see Jesus as the Messiah. Though he fits the bill to the T, they can't get past their own reasoning of why the Messiah would come. Does that make sense? So you got an entire nation fighting against God because they don't know the why. So can the why be a little bit important? If it can change nations and cause all the uproar that's going on in the world today, it can certainly cause uproar and upheaval and cause you to find yourself fighting against God in your own life. So the why is important. Jesus knew exactly for what reason and purpose, what the why of why he was here. He says in John 12, 46, he said, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer Remain in the dark. Oh, that's a good why. That's a good why. And Jesus knows why you're here. For what reason and what purpose. And he wants you to know. In Jeremiah 1.5, God told Jeremiah, he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to my nation. Of course, he was talking to Jeremiah as an individual. But do you... Don't you think we could take from that how he sees an individual? And I think we could all say that God has called us to be prophets to the nation. And I think we could all realize that God formed us in our mother's womb. We can look at Psalms 139 and see how 
intricately and delicately we were made and why we were formed and how his thoughts are towards us and everything about us he knows and we can't go anywhere from his presence we need to know the why because when we made Jesus Lord we swore our allegiance to him I think that's a little bit what brother Chad was saying up there maybe somebody in here misunderstood the presentation of the gospel because a lot of times the gospel is presented in a false way it's like it's a free ticket to heaven. Just say these words and you don't go to hell, but you don't have to change anything. Nothing will change. But that's not the case. When you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you're saying something. In that day, they knew exactly what Lord meant. That meant boss. That meant what he says goes. They didn't dare, you know, call somebody Lord and then do what they wanted to do. They did what the Lord said to do. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price. You see, there was a high price for you to be able to call him Lord. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Then it says, which are God's. You're not your own. And so maybe somebody in here has said that prayer and uh, wanted to be saved and everything but you've never thought of why you call him Lord. Well, maybe today is the day that you get the illumination comes in and you see that it was a bigger deal than you thought it was. And maybe you need to do it again with a repentant heart and make it right with God and pledge yourself. Surrender your heart. Take it all. Take it all. This is on your sheet. Therefore, Jesus is why... That's your answer, why? Therefore, Jesus' why for our lives must take precedence over whatever crazy thing we have made it. See, so once you get saved and give your heart to Jesus, you don't just go on and do the things that you think are right or whatever. You ask God. He's your master. You begin to find out what he would have you do. What would you have me do, Lord? And, and you don't just wear the bracelet. What would Jesus do? You live the bracelet. Here's a question. Why did God only make one Yogi Bear? Everybody say, why? Because when he tried to make a second one, he made a boo-boo. <laughs> oh, say the all-important why. The all-important why. I'm going to get y'all helping me today. Y'all are so funny. Because where there's no why, there's no try. Did that confuse you, Chad? <laughs> Our lives will never make sense without a compelling why. One day, a couple years ago, I was walking out of my garage and I looked to the right and there was a pile about this tall about this big around of potting soil sitting right in my parking spot out there in the, in the driveway now I got her a begrudging approval to tell this story so barely and I will have you a disclaimer that 
she didn't want me to tell the story, and I had to beg to get permission, and she doesn't agree with my rendering of the story. But that being said, there was this huge pile of potting soil, that black stuff, right there in the driveway. She said, I got a good deal on it. She had been buying it by the bag. She started, you know, planting flowers and stuff in the backyard. She was getting into gardening. She was just fresh and new at it. And she had bought a few bags. But then she said, she went to this nursery, and they said, we'll get you a whole trailer load full over there for like $12. And so they gave her a whole big pile. And I said, Angie, we can't just let it sit there in the driveway. And she said, well, they couldn't get it in the backyard. And so I guess I was volunteered to put it in the backyard. So I got my wheelbarrow early one day. Then by late that day, I was still making trips <laughs> with blisters on my hand. My knees was wobbling. I could barely go. I was like, how many more trips? You'd get down. It looked like the bottom, but it wasn't the bottom yet. And you'd have to make another trip. And, I, and when I didn't think I could go anymore, I had to make like three more trips, and I finally got it done. And I'm, I was just happy. And I put it way in the back corner of the yard back there, and it made another big pile back there. And I said, I don't know why she needs all this. Well, for about two years, she's been planting plants and stuff back there, and the pile is still just about, it was about as tall as it was. Maybe I think the rain had settled it down a little bit, but it was still back there, and I'd never seen her use any of it. And then, I think it was this year, this spring, she says, I got a couple of bags in my car. Can you bring them to the backyard? And they're bags of potting soil. And I bring those big heavy bags back to the back, and I set them back in the corner, and I look, and then I see the pile. And all this begs the question, why? <laughs> without a compelling why, without a reason or a purpose, this fallen earth, will always pull us down and keep us from soaring on wings as eagles that we're intended to do. What's, does anybody know N Newton's first law? Some of y'all guys probably made it through high school. Apple one? Gravity? No. <laughs> it's a body at rest tends to stay at rest as some of your lounge chairs can attest. <laughs> a body in motion tends to stay in motion. But the problem is sometimes that motion is in the wrong direction. But it goes on to say, unless acted upon by an external force, a net external force, what better force can you think of to get us going in the right direction than to know God's why? To know God's why for your life can keep you from going in the wrong direction, can make the right corrections on your directions. And so I think it's important that we begin to examine the whys behind we do what we do. I went to college for a couple years. I know that may surprise some of you. I wanted to play baseball. That's the only reason I went. <laughs> Had no idea about what a degree would mean. Didn't care anything about the classes. I went to play baseball. 
Well, I got there and started playing baseball. That was fun. Then my why changed. I started going to college because I wanted to party. And then at the parties, I began to see girls. And then my why changed again. And the reason why I went to college fell all apart. I had lost any direction in my life, and I didn't finish college. Why? Because without a compelling why, there's no try. When t the when the girls left and I couldn't hardly afford it anymore and I, I, and I didn't make the, you know, the baseball team and ran out of money to party, then I, I don't know why I'm going to college. And guess what? Until my children can show me a compelling why in, in their understanding of what college is about, I'm not going to pay for their tuition. Does that make sense? I think we automatically send them off to college and spend this big money, but there's no why being displayed, and then they, they go to party, and they just party away our thousands and thousands of dollars. I got a question for you. Why do seagulls fly over the sea? Say why. Because if they flew over the bay, they'd be bagels. <laughs> <laughs> Say the all-important why. Y'all got to help me. I tell you, you got to help me. Where would we be without you guys? <laughs> I will if you'll pay for it. <laughs> hey, we're taking up an offering to send pastor back to college. <laughs> why? What? All right, new header. The Christian's heart should burn with the Father's why. It should be natural to you to want to know the why of the Father. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you to give you the desire and the, and the power to do what pleases Him. He's the one who puts the desire in there and the power to do what pleases him. Not what pleases you or your wife or your husband or your kids or your job. But he gives you the desire and the power to do his will. What pleases him. But sadly, I have observed humanity over these 50 years of my existence and begun to realize people only do what people want to do. That's a hard statement. People going to do what they want to do. They can say in church a lot of things, but they're going to do what they want to do. Some of you are saying, well, I hope you don't call me out. <laughs> Well, let's let our checkbook call us out. You want to know what you want to do? How it lines up with what God wants you to do? Look at your checkbook. Where your treasury is, there your heart is also. Where you're spending your money. That tells you what's in your heart. Where you're spending your time, which is even more precious than money, really. Tells you what's in your heart. 
tells you your desires and what's, what's driving you, your purpose, your reason, your why. It's tied up in your checkbook and what you're doing with your time. If you'll just examine those two, you'll begin to see where your, where your why is. I found also this. I feel like, feel like Solomon writing the Proverbs. I've examined and I have found and I've come to this conclusion that a Christian, this is on your sheet, who is always making excuses of why they can't serve God has either lost their why or they never stopped to consider it. Some of you may be in one of those two categories. You lost your why. You've been here, you've been doing this, this is old hat. You used to be so excited. Jesus was your first love and you was doing everything you could to serve him, but now you're not. Now you're running from obligations, running from service, and maybe it's golf or it's fishing or it's shopping or it's something else that's taken the place that God once had in your life. Or you're a new Christian and you've just never realized that you needed to know what God's why is. And that's why we're preaching and we're teaching. We're trying to bring you back to God's perfect why. And that's why the pastor's challenge in your sheet this week tells you to write down the five things, the top things that you're doing with your time and your resources. It's very easy. Do these things. Because I want to give you practical things to do. Go home and say, what are the top five things I'm spending my money on and top five things I'm doing? Or just combine them and write five things down. And then say, why? And then ask yourself, do I feel okay about that why? If not, then you know what to make a change about. Then you know what to pray about. Then you know what's going to help you change. A guy named Teddy Jones, he says your why is often revealed by your what? What are you living for? What drives you? What keeps you going? What causes you to wake up every day and do what you do? You need to define that. When everything else is stripped away, what makes you tick? What keeps you going? What is your life all about? Unless you define your why, and unless your why is bigger than some self-serving purpose, you're going to find it very easy to quit when the going gets tough. Do you find yourself quitting on everything? Do you start something, your New Year's resolution, this or that, or a promise or a diet or whatever, and you start, but then you, when, when it gets tough and you get hungry, you just quit? If you had the why, if you knew the why, that would sustain you in those hard times. And isn't it time we got passionate about something again in our lives? As we get older, man, we begin to lose the fire. But we're the ones with the wisdom. Now we have the ability to put and practice the things we didn't when we were young. But now we've lost the fire. We've lost the why behind what we're doing. So some of you are making excuses that I'm too old now. No, now you're in position. Now you have the resources. Am I preaching real good? I wasn't at first, but now I am. <laughs> I'm going to mess it up with this. Why? 
Don't skeleton spite each other. Say, why? Because they don't have the guts. <laughs> Say the all-important why. The all-important <laughs> you got to keep the why before you. You, you, know, you got to remind yourself of the why. Because if you don't, you'll run dry. What was that rap you had about me? Guy, guy, something like that? <laughs> oh, yeah, now you can't remember. She follows me around. <laughs> <laughs> pastor Vickers, my boss, my pastor, he tells me that I'm the CMO of the DeSoto County Passion Church, the CMO, the chief meaning officer. In other words, I am to keep the vision before you guys. I am to constantly tell you why we're doing what we're doing. To, because without the vision, the people perish. Without the, keeping it the red hot why before your eyes, you will die. No. That's why we read the vision. We often mention it. We talk about we're genuine, passionate, relevant, and that we love God, his people, his purposes. And that's why I sound like a broken record. Often. We was at prayer Tuesday night, passion prayer. And uh, where's Tom? Oh, he's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if... I don't know if I can preach without Tom here. It's the first time. No, I, I don't need him. I don't need him. I was just, you know, okay, check on him. But anyway, before I interrupted us, I was going to say I was at Passion Prayer, and I was praying things out. Everybody was praying a little bit, and Pastor uh, Brother Tom asked me to pray out over a situation. I prayed over a few situations. At the end of the prayer, we left, and, and Angie said, uh, do you realize that you sounded a little down tonight? That it was recognizable that you're, you know, feeling bad about some things or that you're upset or discouraged is the word I'm looking for. And I was a little bit. And I'm human. I get discouraged. And she said, you know, the people can't see that out of their leader. They don't need to see that. They don't need to hear that. And the Lord began to deal with me this week about that. So I stirred myself back up. And it was just the devil. You know, it, it's, it's just the devil. Because we're right where God wants us to be. You know, we can get discouraged that, oh, we're just going through the motion. It's the same old, same old. We've been through this before. We're never going to do this. We're never going to. That is a lie. We have to say we have to believe. We have to hold on to it like Kirsty said. We got to keep fighting for what we, we want, what we believe God has, the why of why the Passion Church is here. And we're right on target. We're doing fine. We can't let the devil come in and discourage us. And, I, and I'm sorry if I, if I get discouraged sometimes and it's noticeable because I'm one of those guys that like to see immediate change. I want to... I can't understand why we haven't snowballed and, and we're not, you know, preaching out of the Soto County Civic Center or something right now. 
You know, I want it to happen right now. But I look around and I see health. And I see people growing and I see people's lives changing and new blood coming in. And, and I see discipleship and love and fellowship. And I see a beautiful church. And you know what? I see a church. Pardon me if I just go off the cuff here for a moment. There's a lot of churches out there that are growing fast or whatever and have a lot of attenders. Just like an army. can have, You can have a 300,000-man army, but you're only going to have a certain amount of army rangers. And we're building a church full of army rangers because we're not just preaching to itching ears. And, and just preaching empty messages just to make you feel good about yourself, teaching you how to, a self-help message so you can, I preach hard messages and get down to the truth and challenge people, and you're still here. <laughs> and you're not afraid of it because it sparks something on the inside of you because you really care why you're here. And we're building a good thing here. So don't be discouraged about numbers or whatever, about people who come and leave all that's going to happen. Pastor Vickers says there's ebbs and flows. There's, and God always does things. There'll be a big flow come in, and we'll be all excited. Man, church is going wonderful. We had a wonderful service. But then the, the tide goes back out, and the ebb, and we're like, what happened? We're not doing right, you know. But he said God always does that. And when it's in the ebb, relax. That God's giving you time to put more structure in place because when the next flow comes you need to be prepared for it so God is he's coming he's coming he's coming he's coming out and going out and coming in but he's coming and God is coming and we are on track here so be encouraged I just wanted to get that out there I got to make up for being discouraged Tuesday God is in this he's all over this okay and so when I repeat myself Pastor Vicker says, that's my job. And you know, Moses did it when uh, I can't, I, I don't know how many times he probably told them the law while those knuckleheads were circling the, the wilderness for 40 years. He probably had to tell them all the time, you know, because like I said, you got to keep it before you. We leak. You know, we, we get some information, we're excited, and then 20 minutes later it leaks out, and then we forgot where we are. We're like little dories. What, huh? Where am I? So we got to constantly be reminded. And Moses reminded them over and over. I was reading at the end of Exodus, I think it was. And Moses knows he's fixing to die. He reads the whole book of the law to everybody again. He's probably done it dozens of times. He blesses the, all the tribes of Israel. He just reminds them before he goes one more time. Everything that you're supposed to do. And Peter did the same thing in 2 Peter 1.12. He says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth that you've been taught. You already know them, you're standing firm, but I'm going to remind you anyway. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. I I've told you often about uh, when I was, had a dog at first. I thought, you know, if you whoop that dog hard enough, they'll never do that again. No, you're just going to make the dog scared of you. That's not the way you raise children with one big event and make a big scene. No, it's an everyday thing. Constant reminding, constant little pats, constant correction, and that's the way God leads and guides us. 
And so we have to be reminded over and over and over what's the right thing. Zig Ziglar said it like this. People often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing, and that's why we recommend it daily. <laughs> so motivate yourself daily. Another story in the Bible, Jacob, he was living with his father-in-law Laban, and uh, he was serving Laban for his two daughters, 14 years he served, seven for Leah and seven for Rachel, and uh, he was about ready to go, and he said, can, can I go back to my father's land with my wives and stuff? And uh, then he said, but I don't have any property or anything to take with me. I've just been working for you. And so they work out a deal where he's going to get all the spotted calves for a certain period of time that come out spotted, not either black or white or whatever, but spotted calves. And Laban thinks he's cool. He steals all the spotted calves and moves them off so that the only ones left are black and white. And when they mate, they're going to have black or white ones typically. Well, Jacob sets up some reeds. And he cuts off some pieces so it's kind of like spotted. And he, he puts them in the ground where these calves and stuff come to eat, and that's where they generally breed and everything. And so those calves, as they looked at those spotted sticks that he placed there, for some reason began to have spotted calves. I don't know if that's true in the natural. Maybe that was a supernatural thing God did or something. But there's a principle before that. If you keep the why before you, eventually you will produce what you keep before you. What you're, what you're looking at is what you are going to become, what you're saying, what you're being reminded of. We have to remind ourselves of the why, and then we'll see the fruit of it, if that makes any sense. Oh, I got one more. Oh, no. Why? Did the cross-eyed teacher lose her job? Why? Because she couldn't control her pupils. <laughs> I finally accomplished what I came to do today. <laughs> Should we wait on him now? Chad, say the all-important why. There we go. I think that's the last one I wrote down. So. <laughs> hmm? No, I didn't make those up. They come right off the Internet, just like up my everything. <laughs> uh, okay. Some whys we just have to leave with God. Je uh, Job, you remember what happened to him? He lost everything he had, his family, his everything except his wife, his nagging wife. And, and <laughs> he, he lost everything good. <laughs> no, he lo lost all his money, his property, his, uh, his children and everything. A terrible time. He, then he lost his health. And he's sitting there and he's scratching himself with a piece of pottery around the fire, miserable in pain, agony, and his wonderful friends come. And for 30-something chapters in the Bible, they try to tell Job why. This is why it happened, Job. Because you did this, or you, did or you didn't do this, or because God is like this. Job enters in with them, and they just go to town trying to discover the why. 
And in the end, God steps in and says, where were you guys when I created this earth? Where were you guys when I weighed out the oceans in the palm of my hand? Where were you guys when I cast the stars? And you guys don't know everything. Some things better left with me. And I say that to say, having to know the reason everything happened is not the kind of why that we're discussing. That's a different kind of why. Sometimes we say, why God, and we get no answer. Why did my children die? Why did my wife leave? Why did my business fail? We ask why and why, and we get no response. And maybe it's because God knows the answer wouldn't help us move forward. It would just confuse us further. And maybe sometimes it's just not our business. Maybe it's just part of trusting your heavenly Father. So that's not the kind of why we're talking about. I want you to know that you can leave that why safely in the hands of your Father, and you can let it go. Okay, so that's not the kind of why we'll be discussing. We'll be discussing the kind of why that drives us as people and drives us as a church. So I don't really know where we're going next exactly, but I know why. (laughs) Why did we have church in the park last week? Anybody know? Outreach, the the fellowship. I mean, those are are some of the pillars on which this church stands. So everything that we do as a church, and leaders, you know this, you've been taught this. We we discuss the why behind it. Does it line up with the vision? Does it line up with where God wants to bring us? And so I want to announce that July 9th, and you can write this on your calendars, July 9th, we're going back to O'Brien Park in Memphis to have a hot dog cookout with the bands and uh, special guest speakers and uh, the children's church will bring the parachute and the face painting, and every department will be all hands on deck again, just like we did. We're going back to love on the people that we've loved on a couple times before. And I, and, uh, I know some of you are saying, why? Why can't we do it closer? Why can't we, why can't we find somewhere around here that they're more likely to come to our church and we can disciple them? And those are legitimate questions. In fact, that's why I'm asking. That's, that, that's why I'm talking about it right now. And you're saying, why do it in July? All the musicians are saying, amen, we got to carry the time. And I have some people to say, I'm not doing it in July or whatever. Really, the reason why behind that is because I took too long trying to find another place, but God kept putting his finger on O'Brien Park. And it wasn't me, and it wasn't Brother Tom, although Brother Tom expressed his opinion. When we had corporate prayer, other people would keep mentioning O'Brien Park. And so we feel like God is saying, go to O'Brien Park because nobody else will. And to me, that's a good enough reason why God says it. And we feel like God says it. It doesn't have to make sense. We just got to know that God wants us to. And there, it takes a special ranger force to do things like that, to rally behind 
something that doesn't really make sense. Why, why can't we do it in our community? Why can't we do it in the spring or the fall? We will in the future. I delayed. Things fell out of place for a little while. But we're going. And we're just going to make it right. We're going to do what we got to do. And we want you to be involved. Nobody can hide behind anybody. That's you. All of us. We're going to do the same thing we've done before. Every department playing a role. And so that will include everybody in the church, and we're going to love those people. We're going to love the unloved. Those people are hurting down there. They're poor. They're desperate. They're lost. They don't have a reason why. And we're going to go share. So in this series, we'll try to answer a lot of the, the whys behind what we do here as individuals, why our lives count. I believe we'll talk about, you know, us as, as people, but along the way we'll talk about why we love people, why we forgive people, why we reach out, why we seek to live holy lives. There's reasons, good reasons behind all that stuff. And if you knew the reason behind that, the reason behind why you're doing differently would pale in comparison. And then your heart would begin to adjust. And it would line up with God's heart. The beat would get in sync. Do, 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 do. Soul. He who wins souls is wise. Do, 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 do. Be holy as I am holy. Do, do, do. You know? Isn't that what we want? To be closer to Him? So we're going to ask the whys of our vision statement. We're going to talk about our different departments, why we do what we do in the children's church, why the media department does things. And we may, in our discussion, we may find that we need to make some changes. So, Because we're doing the same thing and I'm asking you to do in your personal life. Rediscover the why. So leaders, begin to ask yourself, maybe I might come to you and say, maybe I might call you up here and say, come in and tell, tell me why the nursery runs like it does. Or why this. Why do we do it like that? Why do we have a Wednesday night service? How many loves Wednesday night services? How many thinks I preach better on Wednesday nights? Got a few hands. I think I do. <laughs> Why do we have Tuesday night prayer? Why do we go into community and share the gospel when most churches have given up on those old-fashioned ideas? Why do we tithe? Why do we give offerings? Why do we refuse to play church? But we intend on being the church. Why do we refuse to let you leave here without a burning why in your heart? Challenged to be who God called you to be. William Barclay said there's two great days in a person's life. The day we're born. <laughs>